Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Bethel Assembly, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and a blessing to your life. If you want more information about Bethel Assembly, please go to our website, BethelAssembly.info. Thanks again. How many of you are ready to hear from God's Word? All right, I almost believe you there. That is awesome. We are in a series right now. We've been in for several weeks now. We're talking about unshakable. We're looking at the I am's of Jesus. The seven times in the Bible where Jesus paused for a moment and he said, I am the fill in the blank. The light of the world, the true vine, the bread of life, the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the door. I am the way, the truth and the life. We're taking a moment and we're processing through that. Why? Because I think it's important that we understand who Jesus really is. Yes? I mean, we can read through the Bible all day long, but let me just tell you something. All that the Bible is, is circled around Jesus. He is the, the main point of the Bible. Whether you start in the beginning, guess what? He was there. You go to the end, guess what? He's there. You go right in the middle, guess what? Jesus is there. All the way through Scripture, we find Jesus. And we're going to take the time over the next several weeks to look at those moments when he said, I am. But before we dig into this morning's, I want to take just a moment. I want to dissect this idea of I am. The word I am, the am, literally means to exist or to be present. So here, Jesus is making declaration, and he says, I exist for this sole purpose. I exist to be your light. How many of you know we live in a dark world? Jesus says, I exist to bring light and hope in the midst of the darkness. I exist to be a door for you into a better way of life. I exist to be the way, the truth, and the life. I exist to be your good shepherd, to lead you and guide you. Jesus says, that's the reason that I'm present in your life. This morning, you're here and you haven't made a connection with Jesus. In fact, you're not really even sure why you're in this room today. Or maybe you're watching online and you're like, I don't even know why I paused as I'm going through Facebook and I saw this video and I don't know why I'm watching. I'll tell you why you're here. I'll tell you why you're watching. Because Jesus exists for you. Jesus is present for you. We've taken the time so far to look at the first three of the I am's. This morning I want to look at this fourth time, fourth moment when Jesus says I am. And we find it in John chapter 10 verse 11. He says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus says I exist for the sole purpose of being your good shepherd. And when he says this, he's not just saying, I'm going to hang out with a bunch of sheep. He's not just saying, I'm going to hang out with you so I can get something. No, 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 no. He says, I exist. The reason I am here is to lay down my life for you. It's hard for us to grasp. Because quite honestly, we, we look at our lives and, and we think things like this. Well, I'm not really worthy of somebody laying down their life for me. I make too many mistakes. 
I falter way too often. But Jesus says, the reason for my existence, the reason I am present, the reason I am here is to offer myself as a living sacrifice for you. For God so loved the world, he sent Jesus to die on a cross for you and for me. Now this idea of being a, a good shepherd, this would have resonated with the people in Jesus' day. They had a connection with shepherds. You see, in, in Jesus' day, the, the shepherd was a leader in their minds. Now it might have been a, a low man on the totem pole job, but they would listen to a shepherd. Why? Because a shepherd was dependable. A shepherd was, was faithful. A shepherd was willing to give their all for the flock. And the nation of Israel, they saw themselves as the flock of God. Now Jesus makes this very profound statement to them. He says, I am your good shepherd. I am the one that's going to lead you. I am the one that's going to guide you. I'm the one that's going to go before you. I'm the one that's going to protect you. I'm the one that's going to lead you to the lush, fertile soil. I'm the one that's going to take you where you need to go. I'm willing to give myself for you. For I am your good shepherd. Let me lay a little groundwork for you rather quickly. Jesus opens up this conversation with a very familiar illustration in John chapter 10, verse 1 through 6. I'm not going to take the time to, to rehash what Pastor Amy did last week, but let me share a couple things with you. In fact, let me read this first portion. This sets the groundwork with where we're headed today. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Aren't you glad that Jesus tells us the truth? I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief. Anybody in this room have somebody that tried to slip over the wall in your life? Yes? We all experience that. We have those in our life that they slip over the wall. They try to whisper in our ears. They try to lead us and guide us. But they're anything but Jesus. They must surely be a thief and a robber. And we're going to find out what that's all about in just a moment. But the one singular individual, the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize, that's vitally important, listen to that, they recognize his voice. Let me ask you very quickly, do you recognize the voice of Jesus. They recognize his voice and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks where? Ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. They will run from the stranger. They will run from the distraction. They will run from the thief. They will run from the robber. Why? Because they don't trust him. Because they don't know 
his voice. Now, the sheepfold was usually an enclosure built up of rocks, and there was an opening for the door. Now, I'm told that the shepherd would, would guard the flock, and, or even sometimes flocks, and at night he would lie himself down across that opening so that nothing, no intruder, could come through the entrance. It was not un unusual for several flocks to be in one shelter together. So in the morning, a shepherd would rise up and he would go out and he would call his own sheep. He would assemble his own flock. Now the sheep, they would recognize their shepherd's voice and they would go in that direction, the direction of the one they trusted. Now in this section of scripture, it's rather interesting, there are two of the I am's that are listed within a matter of a few verses. Pastor Amy talked about the first last week, I am the door, I am the gates. But today I want to look at the second one where Jesus looks at us directly and he says this, I am the good shepherd. For the next few moments, I want to dissect this idea of what does this shepherd have to do with us? Many of us in the room have never seen a real live shepherd. Now, we, we have an understanding of what it looked like, and maybe even as a kid, you remember the stories in the flannel graph board? Anybody remember flannel graph? Good stuff. Some of you are like, I have no clue. Flannel graph was the iPad of the 1980s. Hallelujah for flannel graph. It was exciting. You had this big old board, and if you were with us several months ago, I illustrated flannel graph on a Sunday night. I had a flannel graph board up here, and I had the, the figures, and man, these were awesome figures. They were my grandma's, and they were, they were felt figures, and I could move them around, and I could have Daniel talking to the lion's den. I could have David talking to the sheep, and I could have Jesus talking to the... I mean, it was awesome. Come on, anybody else love flannel graph? Give it up for flannel graph. Some of you like raising your hand right now and you have no clue what flannel graph is. You're just like, I just want to be a part of everybody else. Where was I? Oh, I want to talk this morning about the shepherd and, and what that role looks like in our lives. We don't know really what a shepherd is like. Many of us have never been around sheep. I've watched videos of, of sheep. And they're just crazy. I mean, just hopping all over the place, right? This morning, I want to look at six observations of our good shepherd. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I exist to be the good shepherd. In your presence, I am the good shepherd. Look at our first observation. Our good shepherd will always supply. The Bible says another word for God is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. God is our provider. Jesus steps in in this moment, and he is our good shepherd. For the next few moments, I want to go back to the Old Testament. I want to look at a, a moment in time when a well-known shepherd, David, begins to share with us the heart's cry of the real shepherd. We're going to look at Psalm chapter 23. We're going to process through it today. 23 verse 1 says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Wow. Wow. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all 
that I need. The, the sheep in the field did not have to worry about anything. It, it wasn't like the sheep got up one morning and got, man, I don't know what we're going to eat. My wife was gone the last couple of days to a women's conference. Can I just tell you, when my wife is gone, I eat the craziest things. <laughs> my meal Thursday night was like a scavenger hunt. I mean, I had an apple. I had a banana. Uh, I had a cheese stick. Um, you know, I just had a variety of things because I don't know how to cook. So it was like whatever was readily available in the refrigerator is what I grabbed a hold of. The sheep don't have to worry about that. They get up in the morning and the shepherd is going to provide for them. They don't have to worry about if an intruder is going to come in. They don't designate one of the sheep to take care of the intruder. No, no, no. That's the role of the shepherd. We're going to talk about that in just a few moments. They don't worry about if the grass is lush enough. Why? Because the shepherd will take them to a new pasture. They don't have worry about if a wolf is going to attack. Why? Because the shepherd will protect them. Likewise, Jesus is our good shepherd. He will supply our every need. Now listen carefully. Not our every wants, but our every need. Please note the difference. This is not a name it and claim it moment. He'll supply your every need, the things that you're longing for, the things that you desire, the things you need in your life. If you're feeling empty today spiritually, I challenge you, turn to the good shepherd. Allow him to fill you and consume you. If you're feeling alone today, turn to the good shepherd. He exists for you. He'll be your supply. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, you can be sure that God will take care of everything you need. Now, it's very interesting, that word everything, you know what it means? Everything. You guys are quick today. Look at that. Nothing gets past Bethel Assembly. Jesus will supply your every need. Our good shepherd will always supply. The number two is this. Our good shepherd will correct when needed. Our good shepherd will correct when needed. Now some of you were hoping that I would bypass this portion of the shepherd. Because we don't like to be corrected. Anybody in the house like to be corrected? No. Not a single one of us. We love to do our own thing. We were listening to um, show tunes at the house yesterday. Yes, that's how cool we are. And as they were playing, I began to hear some of these, and I thought, man, the theme of a lot of these are much the same. Let me do my own thing. Don't bother me. Don't try to rule my life. I want to have it my way. I want to do it my way. I want to do what I want to do, not what you want to do. I want to do, right? And then I look at our society and I think, man, that's exactly where we are. We don't like to be corrected. We don't like for somebody to tell us that that's wrong. But guess what? The shepherd would look at the sheep. He would correct them when they needed to be corrected. Look at verse 2. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Now, 
for many, many years as I was reading through the 23rd Psalm, I would get to that moment and I would read, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He, he leads me beside the still waters. And I had pictured in my mind this glorious hillside and the grass is just lush and green and the wind's blowing and the grass is kind of waving and there's a stream going alongside and here the, the lamb is laying down and it's kind of sunbathing. Everything is glorious, right? That's what we want to see. God, lay me down in the green pastures. God, let there be a, a lush waters flowing beside me. Lord, let all of this flow around me. But guess what? He makes me. He makes me to lie down. In old Israel, around the time of, of Jesus, it was customary for the shepherd to correct the sheep. Now, what does that look like? Do they look at the sheep and go, no. <laughs> no, that's not what correcting the sheep is all about, by the way. That wasn't in my notes. That was like in the spur of the moment. So that's inspired. Um, if the shepherd had a sheep that continuously ran astray, ran away, he would have to correct that sheep to keep it out of harm's way. You see, a sheep could easily get lost. They could fall off a cliff. They could get eaten by a predator. Those are very bad things, right? So the shepherd would have to step in in a moment and correct that sheep. You know how they corrected them? They would pick up that little lamb and they would grab a hold of, of one of the legs with both hands and they would do this. They'd break the leg. Pastor, isn't that awful harsh? Hold on. He would then take that same leg, he would put it back into place, and he would bandage it, and he would splint so that it could heal. You would think that was very harsh, but here's what I've come to discover. There are times that God must break us in order for the healing to begin. There are times in your life that God's got to reach down and break you in order for the healing to set in. Our good shepherd has to correct when correction is needed. The third observation is this. Our good shepherd will restore the broken. Now here is the part that we're longing for. We've been broken. We've, we've run astray. We're about to fall off a cliff and the, the shepherd grabs a hold of us. He breaks our leg, but he puts it back into place and he, he splints it. He bandages it all up. But here's what I want you to grab a hold of. Once that leg has been bandaged, he will then take that little lamb and he will place it upon its shoulders and he would carry that lamb until the leg was healed. See, I got excited about that. My good shepherd, even though he has to correct me, even though there are times that I've got to be broken, in the midst of the healing, in the midst of the restoration, he picks me up and he carries me for the healing to take place. He promises to renew us to lead us to better things. Verse 3 says this, He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to His name. God has a plan 
for you. Your good shepherd, Jesus, exists, has a plan, is present for you. In that moment when you're broken, in that moment when restoration is needed, he reaches down and he picks you up and he places you on his shoulders and he carries you to a brand new place. He carries you to a place of renewing of your strength. I've discovered this, without the breaking, there can be no restoring. Without the breaking in my life, there will never be a restoration. We must come to the place that we trust Him completely. We must come to the place that we rely upon Him completely. Why? Because He renews my strength. When God begins to work in our lives, we can be sure that He completes it. One of my favorite scriptures is Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. It tells me that when God begins to do a work, He will see it to completion. There are some of you in the house today, there are some of you that are listening online today that need to allow God to finish the work in you. Right now, you're broken. Right now, you're hurting. Right now, you don't know where to turn. And your good shepherd, my good shepherd, is looking upon you saying, would you let me restore you? Would you let me pick you up? Would you allow me to carry you to a place of restoration? Jesus is our good shepherd. Look at number four. Our good shepherd will comfort us. Even though I walk through the darkest valleys, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me, your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Have you been through a time of darkness? Have you been through a time when you've been afraid? Spiritually, you don't know where to turn. You feel all alone, you feel isolated. Your good shepherd is here today. Even though you walk through those darkest days of life, you don't have to fear. See, fear is not from God. The Bible says he hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. God hasn't placed inside of you this, this spirit of fear, but today he wants to place inside of you a, a spirit of confidence and of assurance, of boldness. Why? Because he exists to be your good shepherd. He exists to lead you and to guide you. He exists to break you, but to restore you. He exists for you today. Even though I walk through the darkest of valleys, I don't have to be afraid. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Even in those darkest moments, guess what? Our good shepherd is still faithful. Let me say that again. Even in the midst of the darkest moments of life, 
our good shepherd is still faithful. You can still rely upon him. You can still depend upon him. Why? Because he has a plan for you, a plan to form you, a plan to mold you, a plan to shape you. And yes, there are going to be times of brokenness. But in the restoration, the loss will be comforts. There are two words in this scripture that I want to look at. The first is the word rod. Your rod and staff protect and comfort me. Your rod. The word rod is taken from the original word, which means this. A stick for punishment or fighting. In other words, there's a rod, there's a stick that our good shepherd will correct and defend us. See, I, I thought maybe there'd be an amen there. Because I don't know about you, but in those moments of despair, in those moments of hurt, in those moments of frustration, in those moments of, of darkness, when you feel isolated and everything is battling against you, and you've got the, the thief trying to climb over the wall, and you've got the robber coming over here, and they're, they're pounding upon you, it's awful good to have a good shepherd with a stick that's ready to defend you. The second thing is the word staff. The word staff simply means a support. Our good shepherd is our support. God is not only here to correct us, but to support us in the midst of our weakness, in the midst of our failures, in the midst of our darkness. He is here. Let him be both in your life today. Let him be your good shepherd today. The fifth observation is this. Our good shepherd wants to bless our good shepherd wants to bless. Look at verse 5. You prepare, our good shepherd, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Amen. Look at that. Our good shepherd prepares a feast. I'm not talking about a snack. I'm not talking about my dinner Thursday night. I'm talking about a big old feast. Come on. I mean, this puts Golden Corral to shame. There is a feast prepared for you in the midst of your enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows. That word overflow literally means satisfaction. Have you ever eaten a meal? And in the midst of that meal, you are dreading the last bite because there's so much, I mean, I've got ladies right now in the house shaking their head like, what are you talking about? Guys are like, come on, somebody. I mean, you're eating that, and every bite you're like, man, this is so good. I mean, this is amazing. You are so satisfied. That's what we're talking about here. It's dreading that last bite because you are so satisfied with what the overflow is happening in your life. He's prepared a feast for you that is satisfactory, that is overflowing in your life. It's an overflow of his goodness. It's an overflow of who he is. The sixth observation is this. Our good shepherd offers his love. Now that word offers is vitally important. How many times do we decline that love? The, the option is there, but in the midst of the situation, we say, you know what? Mm, I don't think so today. 
I really don't feel like that today. I really don't want to embrace that today. But our good shepherd offers his love. Look at this, verse 6. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me. Wow. The good shepherd is in pursuit of you. How many of you guys remember second grade recess? Here is what would happen on second grade recess. The teacher would let the captives free, and they would go into the large abyss of the playground, and there she was. That freckled-nosed little girl in pigtails. Now, second grade boys don't understand how to really flirt. So what second grade boys do is they just chase that little freckled-nosed girl everywhere. When they catch her, they may knock her down. They may push her. Now, girls, please understand, he wasn't being mean. He thought you were cute. <laughs> and that's kind of what I see happening here. Our good shepherd is chasing us around like that second-grade, freckled-nosed, pigtailed little girl. He pursues you. He, he longs just to be beside you. He, he longs just to, to hang out with you. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell, I will live in your house of the Lord forever. We never have to walk alone. I've heard people say many times, well, pastor, I just feel like God isn't here. Can I just tell you something? He's not the one that moved. He, he's not the one that changed directions. He pursues you with an unfailing, unconditional love every day. He chases and chases and chases after you. Look at verse 11. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. The good shepherd will, will stand in between you and danger. The good shepherd will offer himself to protect you to keep you safe. That's what Jesus does for us. He wants such a deep relationship with you. He wants such a deep relationship with me that he's willing to sacrifice himself. The Bible says that while I was still a sinner, while I was still that freckled-nosed little girl running around, while I still made mistakes in life, Jesus, 
our good shepherd offered himself on the cross of Calvary. Now, here's what I find interesting about the sheep. We read it just a moment ago. In the morning, the, the shepherds would get up and they would, they would leave the opening of the, of the gate and they would begin to assemble their sheep. And I watched a video a while back and it was rather interesting. Several people were trying to call these sheep and the sheep were just ignoring them. But the moment that the shepherd walked to the edge of the gate and he hollered out to his sheep, one by one their heads popped up and they turned and they began to run toward the shepherd. So I began to ponder that thought and I wonder, how do we really know our shepherd? How do we come to that place of really knowing who he is? And the first thing I realize is this, we've got to learn to recognize his voice. We can hang out in the field all day long. We can hang out in the pasture all day long. We can walk beside the, the brook and the river all day long. But how do we really get to know him? We've got to come to the place that we recognize his voice. Verse 3, again, it says, The sheep recognize his voice, the voice of the good shepherd, and they come to him. My question is, are you coming to Jesus? Or are you just allowing him to chase you? The Bible says, come close to God, and he will in turn come close to to you. There's a couple things that I think are vitally important when recognizing Jesus' voice. First off is this. Jesus' voice will be biblical. I've had people say, well, pastor, how do I know if, it's, if Jesus is speaking to me or if the devil is trying to detour me? First off, Satan will never move you in a positive direction. Well, I... I really felt that I needed to pray for so-and-so, but I didn't know if that was God or not. Let me just tell you, Satan will never tell you to pray. Well, I just really felt that I needed to be in church today, but I just didn't know if that was last night's taco or what. Satan will never tell you to come to church. Our good shepherd's voice will always be biblical. It will always line up with the word of God. Why? Because Jesus, our good shepherd is God. Right? These are his words. He won't contradict himself. The second thing is this. His voice will be personal. I love Psalm 145, 18. Look what it says. The Lord is close to all who call on him. Yes, to all who call on him in trust. The Lord is close to all who call on him him. He's close to you. The moment you call out, there he is to speak to you in a personal way. I challenge you today to draw close to God, to watch how quickly he becomes personal in his response to you. God desires to speak to us. But there's a problem. Job 33 says this, for God speaks again and again, though people do not recognize it. Our good shepherd stands at the edge of the sheep gate, 
calling out to the sheep. The problem is we don't recognize his voice. The way that we learn to recognize his voice is to spend time with him. Let me say that again. The way that you learn to recognize his voice is you spend time with him. If my wife calls me on the phone, now forget the fact that her picture, beautiful picture, pops up on my phone. But if I just looked, or didn't look at my phone, just answered it and began to talk, I would recognize her voice. Why? Because I spend time with her. Now, there may be some of you in this room, if you were called, I would be like, okay, who is this? Because I don't spend the quality, intimate time with you like I do my wife. You're welcome. But if you want to get to know the voice of your good shepherd, you must spend time with him. The second thing is this. Determine to remove the distractions. Sometimes we fail to recognize his voice because there are too many distractions going on. Let me ask you today, are you distracted? Verse 5 says this. Not only will the sheep not follow the stranger, but they will run from him. Not only will the sheep ignore the stranger. Oh, pastor, I just don't know what to do. Satan is just knocking down my door. The problem is you opened up the door. It's time to lock that door, go out the back door, and go to Jesus. You must remove the distractions. Hebrews 12, 1. Let us strip off every weight. Look at your neighbor and say, every one of them. Strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. How many of you would agree today that sometimes the easy ones, we don't push real hard against because we think, oh, that's no big deal. I can handle that one, right? It's kind of like that bottle of Hershey's syrup in the refrigerator. Oh, come on, somebody. That's glory in a bottle right there. I'm making my coffee in the mornings, and there are some days that I put the creamer and the milk and stuff in there. I mix it up, and then I think, you know what? A little chocolate syrup won't hurt anybody. And I do about 10 circle swirls. That's how you keep this figure. But it's those things that so easily trip us up that get in the way. And our good shepherd says, strip your life of all of the distractions, especially the bottle of Hershey syrup especially the things that so easily trip you up. But look what he says, and let us run, run with endurance the race God has set before us. It's time to run to Jesus. Our third way of really getting to know our good shepherd is this, begin to follow his lead. John 10, 10, the thief's purpose. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. 
But Jesus goes on to say this, but I come that you may have life and have it in its abundance. I've come that you may have a life full. I've come that you may have a rich and satisfying and overflowing life. I've come to be your good shepherd. I find it interesting that the the thief starts out small. He just steal a little bit here. And, And just steal a little bit there. Steal from you over here. But before you know it, he moves from simply stealing to killing. But it's not enough to leave your corpse lying there. He will destroy even the existence of you. But Jesus said just the opposite is what I've come to do for you. I've come to give you that loving life, that rich life, that satisfying life. I've come to give you so much more. Jesus kept emphasizing over and over and over the fact that he's the good shepherd. In verse 4, he said the good shepherd gathers the sheep. He walks ahead of them, and they follow. I ask you today, are you following the good shepherd? Do you recognize his voice? Are you running to him? Some of you, you've been a Christian for some time now and you're just hanging out of the pasture. You've kind of gotten used to this Christian life. Things have gotten easy. Others of you in the room, you're walking through the darkest of valleys. You feel like everything is death around you. You don't know where to turn. Some of you right now, you're broken, but you haven't surrendered yourself for restoration. I don't know where you are in this field. I don't know where you are as a sheep today. But what I want you to know is Jesus has come to be your good shepherd. Now is the time to turn to him. Would you pray with me?